scripture also, you know, judge nothing before it's time. And in that, a lot of times, you know, and it's, and it's hard to accept, you know, when we're dealing with sound counsel, one of the things that's hard to accept is that it may not get better on our watch. It may not get better at our time of expectation. It may not get better um, when, you know, we desire it, you know, and, and so that could be very frustrating. But what God is trying to do, and I know it sounds so clichéical, God is trying to get something out of us because of oftentimes most of us want these marriages that everybody want a marriage that we can be proud of, right or right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so if you're in a marriage that you're sitting and it's draining you and it's not, you know, doing anything seem developmentally, it can be frustrating. I just told my husband a few weeks ago, we've been married, like I say, 32 years. And I remember the nights that I would hear my husband crying out and pouring out his heart to the Lord and, and praying. And unfortunately, because I was in a carnal mindset, the Bible tells us that a carnal man does not understand or comprehend or can conceive the things of God. And so I remember in those seasons when my husband, he was laboring and praying and fasting and laboring and praying and fasting. And I was in such a deep place um, within myself. I was trying to accept that he was praying and what the prayers was doing. However, because I was in so much bondage and my mind was so contorted and I had so many worldly connections and desires, you know, um, I could not at that moment respond sensibly to prayer. And there are some things that my husband prayed 15, 20 years ago. There are some things that my husband prayed over, you know, 25 years ago that it's just now, and I know it's like, dang, that's a long time. It's just now bearing fruit. So, well, it's, 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 it's not a long time. If you meant your vows, if you, if you really entered into marriage by God's definition, people say, well, 15 years is a long time or 20 years is a long time. Well, how long did Abraham wait for Isaac? You know, how long did Joseph wait from the time he got his dream until that dream materialized in his life and then essentially affected the whole world at that time? So it's not about how long, you know, do I have to go through this? How long do I have to pray? How long do I have to see nothing and yet stay with this? You entered into a covenant. It was not based on convenience. You entered into a covenant relationship that by definition is supposed to last an entire lifetime with one human being. And I think we forget that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Your volume is low. We can barely hear you. Okay. Hold on. I, I really... Uh, is that any better? Is that any better at all? Can you hear us? Yes, it's better now. You're, okay, I think we're just not close enough to the speaker. But as I was saying a, a moment ago, I, and I, I don't know if you heard it, I, so many people, as my wife was saying, 
you know, 15 years <laughs> believing for something, 20 years believing for something, and, and many people say, you know, how long do I have to wait? How long do I have to endure this? And, and we forget that we didn't enter into marriage based on the convenience of everything going the way I think it should go, or we didn't enter into it based on the convenience of I got married today and everything God promised for my marriage is supposed to materialize tomorrow. You entered into a, a lifelong covenant with someone that essentially you, you were careful enough to choose the person that you would trust with your funeral arrangements. So as my wife said a moment ago, to, and, and in Ecclesiastes 3.1 says it like this, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. And, and one of the things we forget when we hear the word season Every season starts with work. And no season starts with a harvest. The season starts with work. And if in different crops require different work. You see, see they, they have different time frames. So we have to understand what is the essence of this season of our relationship. What are we working to cultivate? And what will that cultivation process require of her? What will it require of him? What will it require of us? You know, and, and my wife also said, what do you do when you feel like I'm doing my part, but he's not, or I'm doing my part, but she's not. And I said this on Sunday, speak the truth in love because you want to make sure that whatever the issue is you're having at that time, it's clearly understood. Speak the truth in love. It didn't say badger with the truth. It didn't say, you know, bargain with the truth. It didn't say control and manipulate with the truth. It says speak the truth in love. Secondly, model the truth you spoke. spoke. Because ultimately, someone has to set the standard that they discern from God. Where is this relationship going? Because I got to start behaving like that right now. Wherever we're going, I have to be that person now. I can't wait until he or she does everything right. If, if, if this is where we're going, then this is what I have to be now. And then thirdly, intercede. Don't argue. Pray. Tr grab a hold of the word of God. What did God's word say? And you take the scripture, Lord. You said, when a man's ways please the Lord. You said, and we begin praying what the word of God says over our lives, over our marriage, and just leaning into God's purpose and definition for our union. So I, I know we just shared a lot. So before we move on, did anybody have any, any questions that we can address specifically before we move on into just more discussion on this? But I don't think we have any questions right now. Okay. So, you know, we were talking about identity, you know, and, um, we're talking about purpose. And so, as my husband also stated a few minutes ago, you know, as individuals, if you don't know what your identity is, you know, it can cause those around you to, it, it strains. When you don't know your identity, you tend to pull on, you know, people to give you that, to affirm that. And even in your marriage relationships, if you don't know the identity of your marriage and, you know, often I see a lot of people who they're so involved in the appearance of perfection in their marriage 
they're so, you know, involved or, you know, their mind is more so of what it looks like instead of how it's functioning. Mm -hmm. Okay. And for a public, you know, it's all props and poses, but in private, you're, you're falling apart. You're pitiful. You have no power. You can't pray. And that's a problem because we as believers, just because we are Christians, doesn't mean that we're going to get an automatic understanding of what it is to have a Christian marriage. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people think because, oh, I'm saved, they're saved, you know, we should know what God wants. But oftentimes, you know, we have counsel, but many people can't receive counsel. We've counseled so many marriages, you know, over the years. And their, we'll get, their ideals, but their ideals about marriage trump the counsel that they receive. And what does he mean by that? We'll give counsel according to, you know, biblical, you know, standards. We'll give counsel, you know, sometimes we'll share our experiences. And in the midst of hell, fire, and brimstone in the marriage, we'll get one spouse that says, well, I'm not apostle. I'm not first lady. I don't want, you know, and so it's like in that moment, everything that you've heard, everything that you know to apply, it goes out of the window. And so, you know, it's not that we can sit in your homes, you know, day in and day out and quote unquote monitor you guys and make you act right. There should be something within. And the word of God says that if I hide the word in my heart, then I will not sin against you. And so we don't realize that in our day-to-day -day walk and our day-to-day -day talk and our day-to-day -day thinking, Christ is omnipresent, okay? And so, but again, it doesn't mean that just because you said, I'm a Christian, I know God, I believe God, that your marriage is going to go um, without glitches. And so I see a lot of marriages who, like I said, they don't know how to problem solve properly. You know, they don't know how to come and reason together. There's no coping skills. There's no comprehension. You, some people say, well, we don't communicate properly. You know, some people are communicating, but either there's no comprehension, you know, or the, the capacity of that person to receive. And again, like I said a few minutes ago, a carnal man, just because they're saved, don't mean they can't be carnal. You know, they may know a lot of other things in so many other areas the way God said, but they could be carnal in their marriage. You know, in the marriage, it could be carnal thinking. So a lot of marriages, like I said, they deal with appearance management and not really truly come into a resolve. And, 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 and many from the beginning, you know, as we often say, things don't go wrong. They begin wrong. And many from the beginning don't make the necessary investments in their understanding of marriage. There's a whole lot of people that get into marriage with a misdefinition of what marriage is, is about what it's, and what it's supposed to do. And because they don't know what marriage is really Dad, about. you're low. Can you hear me? <laughs> okay, okay. now. All right. So apparently I got to get in a certain position. But as we said, there, there are many people, as we say, Marriage, uh, things don't go wrong. They begin wrong. And many people don't get into a marriage with a clear definition of what marriage is all about or what marriage is supposed to do. 
And because they don't have a clear definition of what it's all about and what it's supposed to do for them, a lot of times frustration ensues. You know, this past weekend, my wife and I went uh, and did a, a, a wedding in uh, Daytona. And I'm sure those people spent over to $20,000 on that wedding, easily, on that wedding. And here's the thing. We spend $20,000, $25,000 on a wedding. Beautiful wedding. Amazing wedding. The optics, and I said this at the wedding, it's not about the optics. It's about understanding the essence of what it means to be married. You know, everybody was amazing. But you wonder how much time was actually put into investing into understanding what it means to enter into this covenant. You know, and quite frankly, I spent time with that couple. They sought me out. They found me. I provided for them some counsel. And as I got into their counsel, I understood that that they, you know, again, they were challenging some areas of their understanding of what it would mean to be married. And, and, and but we're making a $20,000, $25,000 investment in a wedding. But what about, you know, what about making sure that we really invest in educating ourselves on what it means to enter into the covenant that we're entering into. You know, it's like it's like church, right? You think about it. Church is the only place where people can go and they really not done any real development for upward mobility. Oh, you look anointed, so we ordain you. And you look this, and so we elevate you, or whatever it may be, okay? And uh, everywhere else, you got to get a degree in this. You got to go through a certain course of understanding and, and development and so on and so forth. Everywhere else, people excel. I got to have a four-year degree in order to step into this field. We don't accept that in the church because we believe that, yeah, <laughs> we believe that I'm, I know I'm called and it doesn't matter whether I've been prepared, whether I've been vetted. I know I'm called and therefore I should be. And that's the same mentality that we see many entering into marriage with. I Oh, I love him. Oh, I love her. That ain't enough. You you can love somebody you don't like. <laughs> you know, you can love somebody, but, but when they're not performing up to your expectations, you'll find that you got to have something deep in you. You got to have resolve. You, you have to have coping skills, negotiation skills, reasoning skills. How do you get resolution when your spouse don't want to give you resolution? See, and these are things that people won't invest themselves in understanding how to operate a certain way. And so they get into marriage and a lot of issues that uh, that couples have in marriage, many of which lead to divorce, really come down to simple coping skills. They never learned as a child. They never learned as an adolescent, never learned through their uh, in any phase of their adulthood. And now you got people getting married who have no coping skills. You know, you have people getting married and they're not really resolving. It's not the spiritual stuff. It's the emotional stuff that undermines a lot of covenants. You know, people, people getting, coming to the altar and getting married, knowing they are emotionally unavailable and, and, and somebody not being able to spot that and discern that and say, you know what, this is nice, but we need work. We need individual work. So that as we connect to this covenant relationship, we can create this new person that marriage mandates we create, this person called us. And so it's imperative that, that we really come to understand what it really means to be 
and covenant relationship. One of the things I also want to address is, you know, the things that people deal with, you know, behind the scenes, as I was stating before, and they don't have any reason, they don't have any um, idea where to start. And sometimes I ask people, you know, what is your your concept of marriage? What was your 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 concept of marriage? You know, and of course, you know, in my time, you know, growing up, you know, we would see a lot of the movies and it was they were married happily ever after. And so but they never showed the work that went into being happily um happily yeah. ever after. And I want to ask you about that misconception. Is that really a, a true thing? Will you really be happy um, at, ever after? And sometimes, no, you won't be happy. Because you have to realize that marriage does not, like my husband just said a few moments ago, marriage does not fix emotional voids. Mm -mm. You know, I know people who get married just because they don't want to be alone. Or they want to split, split the rent. Yeah, or, or split bills. And so if you don't understand why you got married, you're going to drain the other person that you're in covenant with. If you go, my husband said earlier, you know, marriage don't um, end wrong, it starts wrong. And if you had any fear or misconceptions about marriage going in, it it's, it's going to manifest mm -hmm. in your marriage. An example, um, I had a fear of abandonment. I dealt with a lot of abandonment issues um, prior to marriage. And while dating, courting, girlfriend and boyfriend and in our unsaved state, you know, I was able to mask that abandonment really well. You know what I'm saying? And so once we got married, once we got, you know, settled and realizing that this is a permanent relationship, at that point, there was no uh, there was no way for me no to no longer um, mask and hide and and um, deal with those issues that were surfacing, you know, because then that fear of abandonment, you know, it began to try to take over the reasoning that I had in my marriage, which was calling, which was causing, um, a great strain on my husband because here it is while dating. And my husband often tell couples, now, you know what, when you're dating, this, the best you're going to get from that person. And we miss all the red flags. We're so excited about, like my husband say, the, the, the bells and whistles of a, a ceremony, but then we don't know how to settle and, and invest into the covenant. Well, well, let me mention, and when, when we are dating, this is the truth. This is the truth. Everything you should be concerned about with your spouse or everything you're concerned about when you get married and we start getting the distress calls, you saw it when you were dating. You saw it. You didn't want to see it. You may have been receiving benefits and services for which you didn't want to look at it. But you had to have seen it. But somehow we take people on as a project or we think that, you know, that uh, there's something we can do to change another person or whatever it may be. And then we realize that's not the reality of how marriage and covenant works. 
I'm going to, I'm going to ask a question and this is sort of rhetorical, but you can reply if you want to reply. For those of you on this call, this, this Zoom that are married, have you accepted the permanency of your relationship? Have you accepted that marriage is a is 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 meant to be? It is and is meant to be a terminal relationship. Have you accepted that that your spouse is the person that you selected to potentially perform your funeral arrangements? Have you accepted the permanency of your relationship? Okay? And this is the reason that that question matters so much. If I don't believe something, you know, if I don't believe something to be permanent, then I'm not going to settle in and do the work I need to do to make it what it should have been. If I've already got a plan B, if I've already got, you know, if I already got a replacement or whatever the situation may be, I've got other options, then I'm not going to settle in to do the work that it takes to cultivate. Cultivate is the word. You know, you don't just create a marriage. You have to cultivate the marital union. And as we said a moment ago, marriage doesn't start. A season doesn't start with a harvest. It starts with work. And it starts with that work is is getting the field ready. Getting re Think about it. You go, in, you go into a field, you want to get a, a harvest. You got to cultivate the field. And that looks like getting rid of roots, getting rid of rocks getting rid of rodents, rooted roots, rocks, and rodents. Okay. Then you got to, you got to plant a seed. You got to water and fertilize that seed. And then you got to see nothing for a while. And that's where a lot of marriages are. They're seeing nothing. And instead of having hope, they're getting disillusioned because they have false expectations. we they fall into the optics of marriages that, you know, it takes 20 to 30 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> <laughs> and many people, they're looking at the optics of the end result of a season. And they think that those optics of that end result of that season is supposed to be their reality. And it's not. Because now you have to settle in and do the work to cultivate. This is the word that's standing out real big in this conversation right now. Cultivate. Cultivate. Okay, cultivate. It's many people anticipate, but they don't cultivate. You know, as my husband is, is speaking um, at this moment, I wanted, you know, the Lord is beginning to, you know, share and show me some things that, you know, a lot of you are struggling with as he's making certain statements. And I want to just take those thoughts captive right now. Um, because I know a lot of you guys are in hard places. You've been pressed in your marriage and to hear that marriage is, is permanent. You know, I, I, I saw that the enemy tried to come in and sideswipe a few of you in, in your thoughts, um, and, 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 and implant, you know, you know, I, I'm tired of people telling me to stay in a place that I'm uncomfortable, that it's not growing. And in that place is where your intercession has to really start. A lot of you saying, I'm praying for my marriage. But if you're praying from a resentful mind or a resentful heart, mm -hmm. you know, you need to change the posture of faith. your prayer. It's not faith. You can't pray being resentful and expect mm -hmm. God to work in faith. You can't suppress yourself, 
You know, a lot of you guys are suppressing things because you're tired of addressing the same issues. You're in cycles and you're, 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 you're tired of being in that see nothing season. And in that state, the enemy is because is starting to weigh in on your emotions, you know, antagonize your spiritual walk and antagonize your faith. And in this moment now, as God is, is speaking, I pray that even as you're sitting in the quietness of your room or wherever you are, that every thought that the enemy is trying to impose into you and into your emotions to make you feel like you're just going through the motions of your marriage, I break that now. Yeah. Some of you guys are carrying weights and haven't mm-hmm. had a chance to even, mm-hmm. you've come to counsel, but you've never released mm-hmm. yourself. We come against despair. I break that mm-hmm. spirit of despair now. Mm-hmm. There's a moment in this marriage that it has to go to a reset, but many of you are saying, I'm tired of being the bigger person. I'm tired of doing what God said and the other person seems like they're not doing the work. But even in that, what we do you know, in faith, you know, only what we do for Christ will last. Mm -hmm. And I'm hearing, you know, the chatters over that's trying to, to override what God has said. Every conversation that you've had about marriage, everything that you've seen on social media about marriage, it's trying to cause and create a contradiction in your mind and in your heart. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all your ways. And so some of you guys know and believe and want your marriage to work, but because of a certain mindset, with certain principalities that's coming over your marriage, certain patterns from before, certain things that you've exposed yourself, it's causing an opposition of your desires. It's causing and creating an opposition on your faith. And in some of your marriages, you're caught in two rams. You're caught in the pain of the past of the relationship, the experiences of disappointment in the relationships. And so therefore you can't press through. You can't push forward into the marriage relationship to create and say and speak those things that are not as though they were. And so even in that, some of you guys are dealing with unsaved spouses and it's almost like there's a there's a war in your home and I'm not saying it's like a war it is a war going on in your home because you're asking God how is it that you know I I believe you and I know you but therefore I'm dealing with these things and again marriage don't end wrong it start wrong we don't get the problems in our marriages just because there's a mindset. And so for every person that's dealing with a wayward spouse, your instructions is to pull down those mindsets, intercede for those mindsets. And remember, before it gets better, it's going to seem like it's getting worse. When you're renovating a house, everything just falls apart. There's dust everywhere. Nothing seems like it's going to come together. But as as the, the builder, as the, the renovators, are working diligently in the chaos and in the mess, beautiful things will come out of it. So I speak that there will be beautiful things that will arise from these broken places. I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that everything that you're
you're carrying, every burden, every mindset, every suppressed emotions. I speak right now to those suppressed emotions out of fear of being judged, out of fear of embarrassment or fear of being ridiculed. The comments, oh girl, I wouldn't if I were you. Oh man, you should leave her. There's there's certain things. I remember there was a season where there was counsel that was given to us and my my um husband was said, hey, she's not gonna that my husband. They, it was explained to my husband that she might she might not change. She it, going through what she's going through, she may never change. So you may want to opt out of this. And hearing that that somebody was planting to planting a seed that divorce was an option and gave my husband that that exit strategy. It caused me to get even more agitated and um, harassed in this marriage. And I took that counsel out on my husband. Well, and we just right now in the name of Jesus, we come against the spirit of weariness that is resting on the hearts of some that are on this call right now. We just we cancel the assignment of despair that is also just sitting on hearts and sitting on minds. We also break the yoke of, of, of disillusionment. You know, there are some that are just so wearied with this process of trying to become one with somebody that don't really understand, don't get it, don't understand the purpose of marriage. There's a couple people on here also, the Lord just put on my heart, that it's about you're tired of the cover-up. You know, this spouse is just doing things that that are not right, that's really corrupted. And now, you, you know, you're, you're bearing the fact that you have been, it's, it's, it feels like aiding and abetting a felon because uh, this person is just not operating the way God intended. So right now, we just come against the assignment of the enemy who would love to impose those weights upon your heart and upon your mind. We, we speak over your life right now that he that the son sets free is free indeed. And so even now, we we come against the plan of the enemy to get you into a yoke of disillusionment, a yoke of despair, a yoke of hopelessness. We plead the blood of Jesus over your heart and your mind and pray that God gives you not only resolution, but he gives you resiliency so that you'll be able to weather the storms and so that you'll be able to do the work that's necessary to cultivate the relationship that God has purposed. Now, for every person that's dealing with a spouse that seemed to be oblivious to this process and uncommitted to the process of marriage, we just pray that God will summon their heart to this covenant. We pray that God will open the eyes of their understanding for them to see the damage that they're causing to you. And we pray that the Spirit of the Lord would do a work. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it like a water course, whithersoever he desire. So for every uh, spouse that seems to be aloof of the work that's necessary to create the union that we desire, we just pray that that aloofness and that disorientation and that disconnectedness from this process will be broken from their lives so that they will become not only enlightened, but really aware and alert and attentive to what it takes to help create the union that God has purposed. We pray for every marriage that's on this call, that's Christian people that don't have a Christian marriage. We just pray that each one of those marriages will come back to the biblical basis. May husband and wife respect and honor the word of God. 
and wherever there hasn't really, really com commitment to living by biblical definitions. We pray that those bands of wickedness will be broken, their hearts and mind will be opened, and that the Spirit of God will begin to bring change and revival and renewal to those covenant partners in those in those relationships right now. And wherever the enemy has sought to impose regret and guilt and shame and unforgiveness and bitterness and, and all of these things upon the soul to cloud the vision, to cloud the field of vision of these marriages, we just pray that there will be clarity and that the, the despair and disillusionment and all of the things that have been clouding the field will begin clearing out now so the real work can begin. Another thing that we just we we want to press home right now, anniversaries do not improve marriages. What improves our unions is that we get understanding we did not have before, and we begin applying that understanding to how we do relationship. And so, Father, those that have been disillusioned because they're now ten years married, twelve years married, and they're not really seeing change. Lord, we know that anniversaries do not improve do not improve marriages. So may each partner in these unions, Father, begin to become aware and alert and attentive to new information, apply themselves to that new information so they can create, cultivate, and curate the kind of relationships that is ideal and beneficial for each partner involved and glorifying to God. Uh, can you all hear me okay? We can now. You are going out again. You are getting low again. All right. So we only have a, about 10 minutes or so left here. Before we, we uh, continue, does anyone have any questions? Any questions that we can address with these last few minutes of this live? If they don't feel comfortable doing open, they can do anonymous. They can text me. You can text them if you want to do them anonymously. You can text them uh, to my wife or yeah uh, at 813-731-2477. 731-2477. Or you can unmute yourself and ask a question if you have it. Uh, in the chat, it was asked, what were the points again for identity? What I'm sorry, what were the points for what? Um, in the chat, uh, Vanessa asked, what were the points again for identity? Yeah, well, the the this is the thing to remember about each one of our relationships, okay? First of all, we we cannot, we cannot, create an identity for our relationship that's based on what someone else is projecting about marriage. You know, in, in other words, you know, we look at other people and it's, there's nothing wrong with having mentorships, nothing wrong with having examples, but we're not supposed to become a carbon copy of someone else's marriage. You know, I see, for example, I see people that they don't do date night unless they're dating with someone else. And and that okay, that's real to them, but is that real to y'all? And so it's not about mimicking and taking on someone else's form and pattern. It's it's more about what it, what it, what it, what are we what are we connected to? What are our values? You know, 
what are the what how you know for example you have two people married and they come from family traditions his family has certain traditions her family has certain traditions right well those aren't necessarily our traditions because now we created a new union and and so now do we struggle with the falsehood of I got to do what what is traditionally acceptable on Thanksgiving for our my family no we don't we have to create our own traditions our own what are our values what are what is our direction you know you know exactly so we got you know so it's all about this discovering it's all about creating and discovering that uniqueness that is us and shedding and shedding the identity that we tend to take on from other people's marriages or even the families that we came from. This is not my mom and dad's marriage. This is not my grandma and grandpa's marriage. This is our marriage. See, this is not exactly. This is not my this is not my pastor's marriage. You know? So you need to be more like Sister Lisa. Oh, uh, you need to be more like a pop. No. You didn't you didn't marry her. You didn't marry him. You married who you married. So you got to do the work in that marriage to cultivate and curate identity within that marriage and distinctiveness within that marriage. So it's all about, like I said, it's all about shedding the ideals of marriage and getting to the reality of what is this marriage? Who are we? Who are we? What are we here for? What are we representing in the earth? How do we glorify God? You know? Why did God give us the sphere of influence he gave us? Because identity matters to who you influence also. So I hope that I hope that answers the, the question. Did anyone else have any other questions? Did you get any? No? So Father, if, if all minds and hearts are clear in this hour, First of all, we thank you, Lord God, that you've allowed us to rise early to seek you. We thank you, Lord God, that you've given everyone <clears throat> under the sound of our voice the ability to come with open hearts and receptive of, of the spoken word and the dialogue this morning. But even as we just invite you in, Lord God, into our atmospheres, Father God, we thank you that you are sovereign, Lord God. Mm -hmm. And Father, we know, Lord God, that there's nothing outside of what we do, outside of what we think, outside of what we experience is impossible to you. With man, it may be impossible, but Father, we know that you are a sovereign God. You are a miracle working God. You work through grace and there's nothing, Lord God, that's impossible to you. So Father, we speak to these marriages now in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, where there is confusion, Lord God, I ask for clarity, Father God. Father, where there is discord, Lord God, I thank you right now, Lord God, that you will bring, Lord God, total oneness, Lord God, into their homes, Lord God. Father, everywhere that these covenants are fractured, where they're just moving 
just to be moving out of the motions of the appearance of marriage. Father, I come right now and I ask, Lord God, that you will restore love. Lord God, that you will give them, Lord God, the, the, the instinct and, and impart into them the wisdom as to how to build their identity into their marriage, how to walk in purpose into marriage, how to cast off every weight that will try to easily beset them as they're cultivating and developing their, their oneness, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that everything that harasses the marriages in this hour, Lord God. I thank you right now that you are Jehovah Gabor and you've never lost a battle. So Father, I pray right now that you will contend over these marriage for the wives and the husbands who are praying relentlessly and not uh, retreating in their prayer walk. For those who are holding on to the hope and the purpose and the prophecies that's been spoken over their marriage. I pray, Lord God, that they will not become weary and well-doing. I thank you, Lord God, that they will not be harassed by the spirits of this world to antagonize their marriage. But Father, I thank you right now that they will stand firm, Lord God, that you will teach them how to war, Lord God, in these areas of their marriage that's difficult. I thank you right now, Lord God, that you will shield them from within, Lord God, that your faith, Lord God, will override every situation. I thank you right now, Lord God, that they will understand that the greater one that is in them, Lord God, will work against everything that's coming against the marriage. Father God, I speak right now for peace, Lord God. I bind all fears, Lord God, that that the fear of infidelity, the fear of divorce, the fear of rejection, the fear of abandonment, the fear of lack, the fear of premature death that's harassing these marriages, the fear of nothing changing, Lord mm -hmm. God. And I speak right now, Lord God, that you sent your word to heal our diseases, Lord God. You said, Lord God, you'll bind up our wounds. And so, Father, everywhere, everywhere that fear has created a wound, a, a scar, a injury, Lord God, in our, in our walk and in our minds, Lord God. I thank you right now, Lord God, that we ask, Lord God, that you to heal us, Lord God. We hit reset on our marriages. Mm -hmm. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, for every offense that has happened in the marriage, everything that has caused compromise in the marriage, everywhere that infidelity has tried to sneak in and take ground. We bind every seducing spirit from the outside of our covenant relationships. And Father, we break the patterns of wickedness over our relationships, mm -hmm. Father God. Father, we speak right now life over our marriage relationships. And Father, even in arguments and even in in dis disagreements, Father, the words that the enemy tried to slip from our mouth. Father, we ask, Lord God, that you will cause those words, those careless words to fall to the ground now and die. Everything that's been spoken out of fear, we bind it now in Jesus' name. Father, everything that's been spoken out of anger, we bind it now in Jesus' name. Father, everything that's been spoken out of ignorance, Lord God, we bind it now in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we ask, Lord God, that even as we're maturing, Lord God, in your will and in your word and in your ways, Lord God, as we're growing in stature with you and with man, Lord God, we ask, Lord God, that you allow us the, the, the understanding of how to navigate and understanding the power of our words. 
God, I pray right now, Lord God, where everyone that may be sexually frustrated in their marriage, Lord God, or feeling sexually over overridden, Lord God, I pray right now, Lord God, that the evil one will not come in and harass those intimate moments with the spouse. Father, I pray right now for every lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life that's trying to rear its head in the marriages. I command it to break now in Jesus' name. Father, every falsehood, every uh, a thing that's doing out of pretense, Lord God. We speak right now, Lord God, that they would do everything out of truth. You said that you desire those who will worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Father, even as we set our hearts into our marriage as a form of worship, Lord God, we cancel, Lord God, every plan and every saboteur, Lord God, over our marriage, even where we've walked in self-sabotage, we cancel right now every spirit of self-sabotage that's caused us, Lord God, to plant seeds in our marriages that's not favorable, Lord God, and have a favorable outcome and is in purpose. So, Father, I pray right now, Lord God, over the atmospheres of these homes. I pray right now, Lord God, that your spirit will resonate right now in these homes right now. I speak to every wayward spouse every hard-hearted spouse, every bitter spouse, every spouse that's holding on to offense and grudges. And I command right now these foul, tormenting spirits to loose your mind, to loose your soul, to loose your spirit now in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, everything that's crippling, Lord God, the movement of these marriages, every pattern that's reoccurring, every season, Lord God, the reoccurrence of certain issues, Lord God, that flares up. Father, we break it now yes, in Jesus' name. There's a, a scripture as we close that I, I want to bring to uh, our attention. And it's 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I just, I pray that every person every married person that's on this call, that those three things would resonate in your marriage. Faith, not not what do you feel, but what did God say? Hope, may hope replace despair and disillusionment. You know, I, I, I want to remind you something. You know, my wife and I this past weekend, we checked into the uh, uh, Fairfield Hotel by Marriott in Daytona. We checked in on Friday and we checked out on Saturday. Now here's the reality. We could have checked back in on Monday. We could have checked back in on Sunday. Now, why am I saying that? Because for anybody on this Zoom that's checked out of your marriage, you can check back in. And so may you have the hope that the Bible says you should have. It takes hope to check back in. So may you have the hope to check back in. Now, when you check back in, what's supposed to rule your engagement is love. These three abide, faith, hope, and love. That, that brings us to our conclusion. We're going to turn this back over to 